Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. This passage from uh, the Gospel of Luke is such a wonderful text. And uh, I want to reflect on it briefly because, first of all, uh, what I see in this text is, uh, is, a, is an approach to reading the Bible from Jesus' very own lips. And then the other element that I want to address that's deeply uh, personal here is this idea of the ascension of Jesus and really the way in which, for many of us in certain evangelical Christian traditions, it's not something that factors if at all, in our understanding, not only of Jesus' life, but in our regular sort of discipleship and following after Jesus. So I want to briefly discuss that. So the first thing I want, to, I want us to, to think about, because it sort of really captures for me how we should read the whole Bible, how the whole Bible, the New Testament and the Old Testament, are a story about God's sort of purposes for creation. We find in this opening part of this text. Jesus, uh, again, actually, it's the second time. The first time is a little bit earlier in the chapter where Jesus sort of opens the Bible for people. It was first the two disciples on the Emmaus Road, um, and now here in the presence of all of the disciples. Jesus says that the whole Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, all speak about the Messiah. He even uses this threefold uh, designation for the Old Testament canon, which is actually uh, a, a, a Second Temple Jewish way of referring to the Bible. We have other texts in the Second Temple period that use sort of a tripartite structure for the Hebrew Bible. This is another one of the reflections that by the time uh, of Jesus, much of our Old Testament was already received as sacred scripture by ancient Jews. But, he, but what Jesus does that's so amazing is he says that the Old Testament is actually about him. Now, if we just think about that for a minute, we think about the fact that from Genesis to Malachi, our Old Testament, or if you're looking at the Hebrew Bible, Genesis to First and Second Chronicles, is a story about Messiah. And I would argue, not just Messiah generically, but the Davidic Messiah. 
sort of to make this point, it's become home to me so real. As, I, as I've sort of studied a, a couple of books in the Old Testament that hardly ever get any attention, but First and Second Chronicles, it's a fascinating set of books. I would imagine, like me, you probably haven't read First and Second Chronicles much. And in other words, it's often seen as just another retelling of the same story that's told in First and Second Kings. But, but what's so amazing about Chronicles is it retells the story of Israel, and it makes the apex of that story David, the Davidic covenant, the Davidic promise. And as we come then into the pages of the New Testament, and we have Jesus sort of after his life, after his death, uh, after his resurrection on the verge of his ascension, he opens the minds of his disciples to see what may have been difficult for them to see, but was there in their scriptures, that the whole story is a story about a Davidic Messiah. That's the unity of the Bible from beginning to end. It's a story about David and David's son. Well, why that is so powerful is because now it makes it so that Jesus just doesn't sort of drop out of the sky into a, into a story unprepared, but really... It is what the whole story was always about. Now, there's that one little challenge in that text. I don't know if you can recall, but it says that the whole story was about the sufferings of the Messiah. And this has sort of been a, a, a point of contention in the whole history of Christianity. Jewish critics have always pointed out that you can't find a text, they would say, that, that, that argued or, or at least presented a suffering Davidic Messiah. What it doesn't appreciate, this critique, is that you have the psalms of lament that come from David. You have Isaiah, particularly chapter 53, that very much could, could have been brought into this perspective based on the psalms of lament, the psalms of suffering. And so it's not all that hard to see that with the right interpretation, namely that of Jesus himself, one could come to see that the whole of Scripture of the Old Testament is a, is a backstory, is the, is the pre-story of the story of Jesus. Now that sets us up then to talk and to think about the ascension of Jesus. You know, many of us celebrate the incarnation, Christmas. We celebrate Easter and Jesus' passion and his resurrection. But I don't know of any sort of low church evangelical that spends much time celebrating Jesus' ascension. Now, I know in other Christian traditions, this is a feast day. But I feel like it should be as significant as his incarnation, as his passion, as his resurrection. Because from the way the New Testament sees it, and I'm thinking like of Philippians chapter 2, it's, it's in the ascension of Jesus where he's given a name above every name that at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Without the ascension, the story isn't finished. Without the ascension, God's redemption is incomplete. Without the ascension, the gift of the Spirit isn't given. Friends, uh, only recently, and, and I'm sort of embarrassed to say, but only recently has it really sort of sunk in on me that the ascension needs to be part of what I understand to be the story of Jesus 
in a depth that I've yet really fully appreciated. And so I just want to encourage you, as I've been sort of thinking about what's, what would the story of Jesus be if it didn't have the ascension? Because many of us live and believe in such a way that while we give it lip service, it doesn't function much at all in how we think about the significance of Jesus, not only in the past, but also in the present. Because without the ascension, Jesus isn't interceding for us. Jesus isn't offering his blood in the heavenly temple, as Hebrews presents it. And the resurrected Jesus isn't coming alongside us to teach us if Jesus not only came and became human, and not only died to forgive our sins, and not only was resurrected to vindicate that, but if he's not also seated in the heavenly realms, preparing a place for us in the words of John's gospel. So, the ascension of Jesus as the culmination of the story of the Davidic Messiah, the coronation of the Messiah, the installation of the divine priest who stands before God in love and in mercy and makes a path to have fellowship with him forever.